Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Three headphone pads and a microphone. Maybe that's what we'll start calling the show right now. I switched it all around. Riley hasn't been here in like a month, and now all of a sudden, he's got the broken headphones. Maybe we'll get him some new ones. I see how it is. I leave, and this, this is the treatment I get. All right. I'll take it. it. Got love Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, back in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Welcome in to Nuanas Now, your one-stop shop for all things sports across the great state of Montana each and every weekday right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in SWX Montana Television. You can get a lot of me on SWX tonight, too, because I'm going to be swinging by the studio recording some stuff for later on in the week as well. Spring football in the books, finally, but not really finally. I have a feeling I'm going to have withdrawals on Saturday, but I did get my third straight Saturday worth of spring football, this time on the other side of the Continental Divide in Bozeman. So we'll get into that in the show. If you want to listen to this show anywhere besides your radio or your television, please go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. There you'll find the stream. You can listen to it 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Want to give us a call? Shoot us a text, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. As I mentioned, Riley Corcoran in studio with me. We'll 
go through the last Montana football hour. It's been fun having a Montana football hour this last month, but we'll give you all the things uh, that I saw over in Bozeman. Riley was not. He was golfing and watching baseball and doing all the things that he I was watching FCS football, too, by the way, which we'll get to in the second hour, because I, I've got a lot of observations, and I think for the first time, FCS football in the spring was put on display. So I still feel like that with the way this ramped up, it's perfect for what me and you like doing because Grizz had their fix. They had the spotlight. Cats had it this weekend. And now you're down to the final eight, which is kind of what you expect, the nitty-gritty. And they have the national spotlight where we're going to get to three of the four games this weekend are on ESPN or ESPN2. So this is kind of what we thought would happen as far as exposure is concerned. So it feels like, I know it's weird in April and May, but Colts, we've got a good six to eight week uh, span here of legit football. It's been fun actually being in stadiums. I mean, I hadn't been in the the Grizz press box since the Weber State game in 2019. And it's I still been, standing. And I hadn't been I hadn't <laughs> been in the Bobcat press box since uh, later on in the playoff run. So uh, it was definitely fun being back uh, in the saddle actually at stadiums watching football, and that's all great. So we'll get into all that as Riley mentioned too. We'll give you some. Thoughts and and uh, recaps of the um, FCS playoffs as well. Both Weber State and Eastern Washington fell this weekend. Eastern Washington lost at North Dakota State. Weber State lost to Southern Illinois. So the Big Sky out of the playoffs before the uh, final eight uh, of this spring season. And then we'll also talk a little NFL draft. That's going to be a heavy theme this entire week. Sean Rainey wants to do a little mock draft action, so we'll do that. Of course, of course he of does. Course, of course he does. Of course he does. So we'll do that on Wednesday. My brother Brooks will want to swing by on Thursday, too, to get you prepped up as well. Uh, got a, a big week. The full arsenal. Everybody is back now. We were kind of all trading off. Some people doing some stuff all over the place. Sometimes that when we get done with these uh, tournaments, we got to take a little bit of a breather. So I know you had to take a little breather, quite literally, because you've been talking on the radio so freaking much. So what have you been up to? You haven't uh, been here in a little while. I know. It was a nice little gap. And I, I usually disconnect or go off the grid a little bit once Grizz Sports is over. Where it's, it's after March. And, hey, I, I know that we had fun. I mean, March was so much fun. Oh, it was but so it, much fun. But it was I, just busy. Did, I did do my laundry for two months. <laughs> well, and that was the, I felt like I was living out of a suitcase. And it was just grind, stop, one thing to the next and then Grizz football hits a square in the face and then Bobcat football for you this week but uh, I did decompress I finally dusted off my clubs I know this doesn't surprise anyone but I've gotten in some rounds of golf and I did sneak over the reason why I missed the show last week I snuck over you knew I had to do it I had to watch my Dodgers in person in Seattle so I was in a major league stadium watching baseball live baseball Amazing. What was the scene like at Safeco? How was it? It was pretty darn cool. I mean, there were 10,000 fans out of about 40. So we're talking 20 to 25%. And just to hear the crack of the bat, but more importantly, Coulter, the one, the vivid memory is just the roar of the crowd. That game was intense. There were two one-run games. Dodgers lost 1-1-1. But just the back and the forth and the swings and the little things that we took for granted and we're going to appreciate more of just hearing the crowd roar on some web gem plays or, or a home run that was hit at 114 miles an hour off the crack of the bat. It was therapeutic for me. So let me just say that. Yes, I was away for about 10 days, but it was like much needed therapy. I need that to, to decompress and refresh again. So it's good to be back though. What do you think of Safeco? So here's, here's where I, I'm sort of stuck on Major League Baseball stadiums only because I've only been to a few. I've been to Safeco a bunch because I used to live right outside Seattle. So we would go there all the time, get the cheap tickets, you know, whatever, hang out. So I've been to, you know, dozens of games at Safeco. I've been to a weekend set at the Diamondback Stadium. I've been to Coors Field 
Oh, I guess two or three times. I've been to Candlestick Park a couple Ooh, times when I was little. That okay. was cold always. The wind was always so brutal there. You think you're in California and it you're was like it in was the cold. 40s every time. And I went to one game at the new, the, I guess it's not new now, but when it was new, the Giants Park in San Francisco. Okay, AT&T. Or and I've been to the new uh, Twin Stadium once. Target Field. And that was cool. Yes. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the ones that you've been to the most, you underrate a little bit, right? Like, oh, I've been to Safeco, so I'm used to it, so I don't think it's that cool just because it doesn't have the novelty. But then when I think about it, it actually is really cool, right? The setting is amazing, and, and I've been fortunate. This is a, a bucket list thing of mine, so you bring up stadiums. It's my life's goal to get to all 30 stadiums. So I've been to 20. I've got 10 more to go. But I put Safeco in the upper echelon because, to me, the view, it, it, when you look over left field and you see the, the skyline of Seattle, I mean, it's hard to beat that. I think it's a newer park. It's modernized. I, I'd put it in the top 10. Nick Hallis, he's been at me that I need to do a rankings of the 20 that I've been yeah, to. Which sounds th- like a podcast. That sounds like a podcast or certainly a segment here during our summer months of no Nuanes question. now. So we'll get to that. That'll be something to, to look forward to. But I'd put Safeco in the top eight probably. I mean. What's th- your favorite? Uh, Dodger Stadium. I mean, come on. Do- Dodger Stadium's number one besides for me. The, besides the fan attachment though, is it is it that cool? I mean, I, I, I just, I, I've seen it obviously on TV a million times. It looks awesome. I think it's a perfect mix of nostalgia and history, but also they've modernized it a bit too. So I obviously put it up maybe more than the rest, but it's still worth a, a top five rating. I, I've Fenway and Wrigley is a good comparison back and forth. Fenway Park, I don't know, did you ever have you ever been to Cobb Field, the old Cobb Field in Billings uh, before I they have, tore yeah, it down? Yep. Fenway Park reminded me so much of Cobb Field, and Cobb Field was where I grew up watching baseball and playing baseball. So to me, Fenway is probably up there. How about an underrated gem for you? PNC Park in Pittsburgh. I was just going to say, that looks so cool the, on TV. It's insane. The, t- the parks that I've seen on TV that I think look really cool are the Philly Stadium. It's sort of a band box. It's, it's very tight. It, you small. just like the bell swinging up. I, and I do. I do. <laughs> um, Miller Park. It, uh, M- Milwaukee Brewers Stadium looks really cool. And uh, the Astros Stadium. Looks yes, cool. with the Min- train. Minute Maid Park. That looks cool, too. That would be sweet. The, and the, the new Texas ballpark is legit. I, I'm a sucker for everything on the West Coast. If you got water, I mean, the Giants ballpark, as much as I hate the Giants. <laughs> Hard to beat. And Petco Park, too. I mean, when you could have halibut tacos while watching a baseball game, there's just a unique feel about that. Only in San Diego could you get that. Nuana is now 102.90 ESPN Missoula. Statewide TV, SWX Montana Television, Riley Corcoran sitting in the chair with me, Colter Nuanas. What else you got cooking? You got Inside the Dens coming up, right? A good one posted recently with Bobby Houck. And, and it's exactly, I think, what Grizz fans are looking for. It's 30 minutes, sit down with Coach Houck, and uh, I made sure I, I greased the wheels a little bit, saying, hey, Coach, this is the final time that we're going to do an interview until August. And so because of that, he obviously wanted to share more, and it was pretty much everything out on the table as far as the spring recap is concerned with players, analyzing what the Grizzlies did and the message that uh, they want to send for the fall and I know that that's been out there and something you talked about on the show last week I was catching it out on the podcast and Bobby Houck is confident in his team and it was fun to see that so, so that episode's up right now gogrizz.com slash inside the den great breakdown with Bobby Houck and then Eric Tabor and I go down and, and go through the players to watch it and Tabor had some good stuff in there um, about some player spotlights and what to look forward to so that is out right now and then the, the final two inside the dens of the year I can't believe we're there is, is going to be a sit down with Brian Holt singer a long form inter- or interview and just kind of get to know coach a little bit more that you might not just read in a press clipping so to speak that'll be great and then a year in review with Kent Haslam so 
Hard to believe, down to the final three, so it's good. That means me and you are going to get more time together as the Grizz season winds down until August. Teases for later on in the week. Our ESPN Roundtable this week will be Kent Haslam. He is coming in studio uh, 5 p.m. on Wednesday, so we will talk probably a lot of the similar stuff mm-hmm. you talked about, about the coaching hiring as well as um, spring football, what it was like, the challenges of this year at large. He was also on the FCS uh, playoffs selection committee, so I think that's an interesting angle as well. And he was down at Weber State last weekend, so there's a, there's a lot that you'll be able to ask Kent, and uh, I know that he's taken a big part in that FCS selection committee, and in this year, probably the hardest year to select, right, because of the, the sample size for different teams, so no you guys will have fun on Wednesday talking with him. Yep, Tease, other teases for later on this week. Tucker Sargent's going to swing by. University of Montana lacrosse team, another great weekend. They swept UNLV. They are ranked number four in the country right now. Isn't that insane? It's awesome, man. And so they got Nationals on the horizon. Uh, They're off this weekend, then they're at Nationals the following weekend. I'm out the first week of May, so there will be no Nuanas now the first week of May. It's my birthday. Next week. I haven't, uh, next week, yep, I haven't done anything uh, super uh, extravagant besides just, you know, have some margaritas on my Cinco de Mayo (laughs) birthday for a while. So I'm going on a road trip, and I actually had thought about maybe doing a couple, uh, Live remote stops, and uh, then a couple things fell through. So regardless, I won't be here next weekend, but uh, we'll get you all geared up for uh, Grizz Lacrosse Nationals and all that sort of stuff. Is it going to be an exciting time of year because Grizz Soccer has a uh, NCAA tournament match later on this week? Hopefully, we'll hear from Chris Chudovitsky leading up to that Wednesday at four o'clock. So while you guys are on the air yep. with Kent, that'll be going on. So that'll be fascinating in its own right. Yep. Uh, track is getting down to it as well. A couple uh, events left. The uh, Tom Gage Classic, probably the biggest um, individual meet left. That'll be next Wednesday in Bozeman. That's like the invite that the Bobcats host, but Montana will be there as well. And then the Big Sky Outdoor Championships this year, Ogden, Utah, uh, May 12th through the 15th. So we'll start catching up on some track stuff as well. But now it's time for the Montana Football Hour, proudly presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank has 36 locations around the state of Montana. It's only in Montana, and they plan on keeping that way. Let Stockman Bank show you the Stockman difference today. Okay, so Montana State had the Sunny Holland Spring Classic on Saturday. On one hand, I immensely enjoyed myself because Montana State didn't play hardly anybody in this scrimmage. They got I got to see Montana State's Frontline offensive line, their starting offensive line was good to go healthy. Their top six offensive linemen, in fact, so they were rotating around. So I got to see all them for a couple series at least. Got to see Isaiah Infante. He actually got 14 carries in this. Montana State's stud tailback. And uh, I was actually surprised with how many carries he did get, considering he has sort of a history of being banged up. But then ever, other than that, it was largely a bunch of the young guys. And Jeff Choate, Montana State former head coach, has touted the last two recruiting classes as his two best at MSU. As we know, Choate, first of all, is a hell of a recruiter, but he's also a hell of a salesman. So everything is always the best, always. Uh, unless it's not, then it's the worst ever, and he's trying to get it fixed. And in some part of that 28-minute monologue on his Monday press conferences, you'll be, you'll be able to decide. That. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> but I did get to see a ton of the young guys that Montese has brought in the last couple of years, specifically the skill position guys and specifically some of the guys on defense as well. So we'll get into some of my impressions. I'm not going to bore you with reading the entire list of guys that did not play, but I'll tell you this. Guys that didn't play that are of note. Troy Anderson did not play. Defensive tackle Chase Benson, who's an All-American candidate, did not play. Defensive end Amandre Williams, a returning All-Big Sky guy, did not play. 
Inside linebacker Callahan O'Reilly, who led the team in tackles last year, did not play. Ty Okada, who's expected to be a team captain and a starter at safety, did not play. Lavelle Price Jr., a returning starter at corner, did not play. Eric Zambrano and Tyler Bohannon, a couple guys that are expected to at least flirt with, if not uh, compete for, starting jobs at cornerback, did not play. Kyle Finch, who's probably going to be their fifth defensive lineman, a fifth-year senior from Dillon, Montana, did not play. Tayden Gilman, who's like their probably fourth linebacker, he if, if one guy out of the three got hurt, he would be the next guy up. He did not play. Uh, I'm going to jump in just to... This is all defensive, guys, if you're driving around listening exactly. right now. And I count at least seven starters seven, that seven, are out at this point. Seven, like, for sure starters. Okay. And then yep. probably another, I'd say, four guys that will play a yeah. lot. Guys like Rylan Orton, who's from Missoula Sentinel here. Byron Rollins, who's also a Sentinel guy. Uh, those guys didn't play either. So I'm Just not gonna, to jump in the middle and recap. I'm not going <laughs> to bore you with all the other guys who didn't play. But l- it's safe to say that the, the, the returning veterans that did play had a definitive advantage of uh, against the other the guys they were going against. For example, th- th- this was split up into white and blue teams, and it, uh, sometimes these coaches, when there's these inter-squad scrimmages, they make things so complicated <laughs> with, these guys are drafted here, these guys are drafted here, how do we balance the whole thing? Well, first and foremost, Montana State only had six healthy DBs. So the guys that were playing DB, they were just in. That's it. Sometimes they were putting Jeez. on blue jerseys, sometimes they were taking off blue jerseys, they were switching all over the place. But only six guys were in. So I did get a good look at those guys, and we'll get into that a little bit in a minute. But you also then had uh, pretty much the first-team offensive line, which features four all-conference guys, going against a defensive front that featured pretty much no returners, all like redshirt freshmen. And so when the blue team had the ball first, they took two shots deep down the field, and... um, both were incomplete, so they faced a third and ten on the very on the third possession of, or third play, excuse me, of the entire scrimmage. They handed the ball off to Isaiah Fonse for a thirteen yard gain. Then they handed it off to him five more times on that drive, and he had seventy five yards rushing. Again, he looked great, but I hope you look great when you're running behind your two senior All Americans on the right. I mean, they were just running outside zone right behind Taylor Tuiasopo and Lewis Kidd. And they marched down the field. I mean, he had 75 yards rushing on one drive. So it's like, okay, again, you hope that they look good in that scenario, but also how much weight are you putting into it? He's, they're going against Sebastian Valdez, who's never played in a game in his life. I right? mean, it, it's not like they needed to pound the clock and ground it out. Exactly. <laughs> well, that, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, what North Dakota State did to Eastern Washington in the second half of this week's game, too, just li- uh, literally physically imposing them. But uh, I, I, we all knew Isaiah Fonse was going to be pretty good. That's takeaway there, right? That's exactly Behind right. a big old line. That's exactly right. So so we caught up with Brent Vegan after the scrimmage. Here's two different things. Here's his opening remarks just on what he thought they got out of this scrimmage. And then here's about four questions that I asked him, mainly pertaining to how do you evaluate this thing when you have your veterans basically plowing through your young guys. Competitive game. You know, I think when you have eight-minute quarters, that thing can fly pretty fast. But we kept the reps about what we wanted to. Um, you know, I'm really thankful to some of those defensive guys that got about every play in the scrimmage and, uh, you know, fought their tails off. And, you know, I think we get here to the end of spring. Uh, we have a good sense of, of where we're at as a team. And then I think, you know, individual players will meet with their coaches this week and, and get some real good feedback of, of where they at, where they're at, um, relative to the depth chart, you know, uh, and what they need to do to get better this summer. Um, you know, we got three months now in front of us before we get in, in change, before we get going fall camp. And there's a lot that can be accomplished and a lot that needs to. And I like the the way this team is uh, approaching their, their business. And we need to keep, um, keep that going. 
So there you go, Brent Vegan uh, opening remarks. And here's some of the questions I had for him after the scrimmage as well. You listen to Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe watching in SWX Montana TV. Montana State head coach Brent Vegan. A few more follow-up questions from myself following the Sunny Holland Spring Classic. You mentioned the defensive front being a little bit shorthanded uh, leading up to this thing. I thought the offensive line, particularly the blue team offensive line, looked good. But how do you go about evaluating that when you do have you know, a veteran group like, like your starting offensive front going against some younger guys? Because it seemed like you ran the ball well, but that's probably to be expected. Yeah, I think you take that, but uh, you take a measured approach to the success of that. I, I know what we'll do, and you know, it's a little bit of a blessing without us all splitting up and going on the road recruiting um, really tomorrow that we'll be able to dive into these uh, these cutups and I think really analyze, you know, certainly the scheme, scheme part of it, but really look at the individuals, um, really assess it. And I think within that, to your point, um, you know, certainly measure who they were going against at times. I mean, there were still um, some defenders through the course of spring that, that could really test our guys and, um, you know, be, I think, be honest with that feedback. But I think, you know, we said it from the start, right? that uh, that offensive line is a, is a group that's got experience. It's a, a group that we need to be able to lean on. Um, I think we have a good stable of running backs. Uh, you can see that, you know, they, they bring a lot of different uh, skills, skills to the table. And I think that was evident today. I think, uh, you know, all five of those guys um, that will be in the mix, you know, got a chance to, um, showcase themselves at least a little bit today and throughout the spring. So pleased with our, our direction, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a measured evaluation that we have to take of where we're at. You mentioned those running backs. I thought that the blue team running backs, uh, Isaiah Fonse and Elijah Elliott really complimented each other. Well, so how do you think those two guys complement each other? Well, what's that old, it was uh Blanchard and Davis from the army, Mr. Inside right. and Mr. Outside a little bit. I don't know. Um, you know, Isaiah, I, I think, is pretty complete. You know, uh, he can certainly run between the tackles, but I think he's got the speed to get on the edge. Uh, you know, Elijah's game is a little bit more on the perimeter. Um, you know, and, and I, I think at his size, I, I think he can still get away with some runs in between the tackles, but they're certainly different, and I think they're uh, the complement of plays that we can run with both. There's some overlap, but there's some difference, and I, I think the pace is a little bit different, so I you know, it said that change of pace that is complicating for a defense at times when you can uh, interchange some guys. And, and we certainly hope to get them involved in the pass game as well. And, um, you know, I think they've shown some real, uh, you know, that they're real capable ball catchers as well. So, so pleased with where they're at. And I, I know it's, uh, you know, the other three guys, so talking Lane, Jahari, and Demarius, I, I will continue to work through, you know, their roles and in, in, in how they fit in the big picture. But to have depth at that position, you know, football's a, a game that you need some depth and running backs, a position that, uh, you know, is, is as important as any to have, um, you know, that next man up uh, ability. And I think we, we have the capabilities of, of having that thought process. I mentioned, you mentioned about five running backs right there. And I, your receivers, I thought, looked good too, especially the young guys. So what do you think of sort of this group of guys that are skill position guys that are young players for you that, that you and the staff have inherited? What do you think their potential is? I think we have really good potential, but you kind of alluded to it. They're young and there's not a lot of experience, you know, whether those guys came here in 2020 and haven't been on the field at all, 19, uh, they maybe redshirted, maybe saw a little action. I mean, it's a group of guys that have, you know, uh, that game experience is pretty limited, but the talent I, I do think is, uh, is there. And I, I, you, you have some depth, so depth creates competition, you know, uh, with competition, 
you, know, you hope that pushes guys. And I, I think we have that uh, ability at both positions to, uh, you know, just not to be relying on, you know, just a couple guys. So like the direction we're heading, but, uh, you know, we certainly have, uh, have a ways to go at the same time. It's the Montana Football Hour presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank, 36 locations around the state of Montana. For Montanans, by Montanans, they're only in Montana and they plan on keeping it that way. Nuana is now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Coulter Nuana's Riley Corcoran. More with Montana State Head Football Coach Brent Vegan. Uh, just two more for me. One on the on the uh, the first possession for the blue. I took a shot to McCutcheon and then took another shot up the sideline, but then had a third and ten. And Isaiah converts it, and then basically just rode him all the way to the first touchdown. I think he had 75 yards rushing on that one drive. So, uh, I mean, how much comfort does that give you when you do know you have a guy that, hey, when, when it really is time, you just turn around and hand him the ball? No, I, you know, I think I think that running game um, is something that you need to have. That needs to be all weather, all every day, you know. And if you can lean on a running game, um, I think that's that's important to play consistent football. Um, these spring games are complicated. I've called plays for a long time on these spring games you're you're trying to work in a smaller confines i know you know matt not being live changes your dynamics with the quarterback run game but you know um we were able to take some shots i I thought uh you know that's certainly you know going after guys like lance and um jaden smith uh i think that's certainly going to be part of our game i would like to see maybe one of those completed but but yeah coming back and being able to hand that ball off to 22 is a um, is a pretty easy decision at times too. And then last thing, when the white cut it to fourteen to ten, then uh, Blake Thielen was the guy that kind of sealed the deal. So, what do you think of his operation there and and been able to throw that late touchdown to Derek Snell? You know, Blake. Uh, you know, obviously from Great Falls. I, you know, he's been the guy that he just goes out there and can find a way to get things done. You know, and he's young yet, uh, redshirt freshman. But uh, yeah, it was good to see him have that success. And, and I know that. You know, that touchdown's on a third and one where the defense really has to, you know, sell out completely on the run to try to extend that, uh, you know, that opportunity to get the ball back. And, you know, Derek got behind the defense. Uh, Blake made a nice throw and kind of sealed the game. But, uh, yeah, Blake, you know, I think has, um, you know, shown through the course of spring while his reps have been limited that, uh, you know, he's got a chance to, to play here. So you go, Brent Vegan, Montana State head football coach. A couple more pieces of sound from Brent Vegan coming up. But if you're looking for the tail, the tape, the docket, I don't really know how much this stuff matters, but they did split up the uh, the teams on a blue and a white team. The blue team won 21 to 10. I will say this. Whoever stats these spring games deserves twice as much credit as normal because statting these when they're switching jerseys and teams could be just an absolute nightmare. So SID's out there. I think Lamberty, I'm yeah, sure. Thanks, Lamberty. Yeah, I think Lamberty was in on this, but I mean, th- this would just be a nightmare to stat. So thank well, you for putting something together for us to analyze. Not to be too revealing, but uh, our good friend Bill had uh, hip surgery recently as well. So uh, he was hobbling around <laughs> into the press Poor box Bill. and, and uh, then try, you know keeping stats. But it was good to be in the press box actually keeping stats. This actually came to a head with with the rotations and the guys switching jerseys, the last draft, so th- this was kind of a back and forth. The blue team featured the first team offense, so they got touchdowns pretty early. Afonso had his touchdown. Elijah Elliott, who, by the way, is definitely one of my players to watch. We'll get into some of the other players to watch in a little bit. But um, Elijah Elliott's a really talented kid out of Portland. Uh, that was a good get that I think Choate and his staff were high on. I think Vegan and his staff were very high on as well. Uh, but he scored a touchdown, and um, the first 
score for the white team came from um, a field goal. And then they had a good drive that included a 42-yard uh, completion from Tucker Rovig, and then he Tucker Rovig himself scored a touchdown. So there was fourteen to ten late in the fourth quarter, and so then the blue team was operating basically as their first unit. But they had a uh, Blake Thielen, kid from Great Falls, Montana, in at quarterback. Uh, you heard me ask Vegan there about Thielen because I actually thought Thielen looked really good. Uh, and then um, the white team got so the, then the blue team scored again. It was twenty-one to ten. The white team got the ball back, and then Tommy Malott was driving the white team offense down the field and I, I couldn't for the life of me figure out who the hell was playing in the secondary because they had all took, put on different jerseys and so this actually came to a head with Malat threw a pick on what about he was taking a shot into the end zone so it wasn't a bad pick he just took a shot in the end zone with 10 seconds left and and somebody picked it off I tweeted I said I have no idea who just picked off the pass but the Sunny Island Spring Classic is <laughs> completed and all the guys in the press box were laughing because none of us knew who it was and they're like thank god you were honest Turns out it was John Knight, who's a converted quarterback, now playing safety. That's how shorthanded Montana State was in the secondary. So, regardless, I don't know how much stock you put into any of this stuff. My my three biggest takeaways were they're still going to be able to run the ball. I know it wasn't a huge test against uh, a pretty depleted defensive front, but I still think they have great talent on the offensive line, led by their two seniors, Taylor Tuiasasopo and Lewis Kidd. I also had been critical on this show about them switching some guys to different positions on the offensive line. Now that I saw the unit operate in tandem, I totally get what they're doing. First and foremost, I do think that TJ Session, who's a really talented uh, offensive tackle out of Southern California, I think he'll be in the mix for a, a starting job at probably left tackle. But I get what they're doing now because, first of all, Cole Sane, who actually started his career at Montana when they went to a junior college, he kind of got washed up in the coaching change uh, he was just here for a minute, and then he went to, to a junior college, and then he came back to Montana State. His dad actually played at Montana State. He looks like the front runner to be the starting center. So then if that's the case, they're going to play Tuyasa Sopo and Kidd at right guard and right tackle, respectively. I think those two guys, their chemistry and their ability to run their gap scheme stuffed in tandem, big strength. And then on the other side, they're playing Zach Red, formerly a center at guard, and they're playing Connor Wood at left tackle. I still have question marks over Wood's ability to really handle elite edge guys in passing downs, but I totally get what they're doing with the two tandems. They want those guys to play next to each other. Twofold, one on the left side, Zach Red has a, a big-time hearing deficiency. He's a great center in the operation of everything. but I think Kind of like Big, Big Nell? Yes. Okay. Very much like Mac Big Nell. But they, are, they had always been worried about him with silent count stuff in the gun You know, when you're on the road. And it's a legitimate... Uh, Concerned, and I've talked to Zach Red about it too. And he's like, "Yeah, man, like if I got one of my guys next to me, I got it. But if I don't, I don't know. And so you can't really wow. be in that spot. But he's a great player. He's an all-conference player. He just, uh, I think he's probably better suited at guard. But now, if he's with his buddy Connor Wood, who, by the way, they went to high school together, they've been playing next to each other their entire lives. I think that gives them a little more continuity. So I do think they have sort of a a six-man group there, and maybe they just have a." a, a a left tackle for running downs and a left tackle for passing downs. I don't really know if you can do that, but regardless, that's one thing. That What I do know is that they're good on the offensive line. They're going to be able to run the ball, and they have a lot of good young talent on both sides of the ball, specifically at the skill positions and the defensive secondary. We'll get into some of the guys that really stood out to me from the Sunny Holland Classic right after this. It is the Montana Football Hour presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank has locations all around the state of Montana, 36 of them in all told. They have great 
online platform, so you can do your banking from anywhere in the world. They're in Montana and only in Montana. They plan on keeping it that way. Let Stockman Bank show you the Stockman difference today. More on Nuanas now. More Sunny Holland Spring Classic right after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back in. You listen to Nuanez now, right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Hey, you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. More Montana football hour coming at you hot. The Bobcats had a spring scrimmage on Saturday, so three straight Saturdays of football for me. We'll get into some of the comparing and contrasting of what we watched between the Missoula and Bozeman sides of things. You know, that's what I'm here for. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's what everybody's here for. Cat Grizz all day, every day. Grizz, Cat, whatever you want to call it. The Montana Football Hour is presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank, they their lending decisions are made by Montanans who understand Montana businesses. They have a strong commitment to our communities and take pride in giving back. They are Montanans serving us Montanans. 36 locations statewide. They're only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it that way. Let Stockman Bank show you the Stockman difference today. So let's talk defensive side of things, because Montana State's program has been built on its defense uh, for the duration of the Jeff Choate era. I think about this all the time when people ask me to compare and contrast transitions from coaching staffs. I think it's the same. I mean, it's very similar to politics in the fact that if the pendulum swings and it continues to swing and it becomes more extreme, it doesn't matter which one is right or wrong or if if everything in the world could be all the way right. And if it do, if it if it's too far of a a, a swing, it's going to come with massive growing pains. Montana was coming off of back-to-back national championship game appearances, 31 and 1 in the Big Sky over four seasons and when Bobby Houck left, they hired Robin Flugrad. I think Robin Flugrad's a very good head football coach. I think he's a very good football coach period. Their offensive coordinator Jonathan Smith proves in the pudding. I mean, he's been the OC at Washington, he's now the head coach at Oregon State. He's obviously a great offensive mind. Montana was uh so inconsistent in 2010 because it was just it was a defensive-minded, special teams-minded, ground and pound, knock your Face in the Identity dirt. crisis. Yeah, I mean, it was, Bobby Hellcast is defined. We're just going to be tougher than you. We're going to beat you in a fight every single weekend. And then Flugrad was running like the Oregon-style spread, and it was just a ma- massive change. I think it's one of the biggest factors to why the Grizz sort of rolled the roller coaster, because they had multiple identities as a program under their various head coaches, none of which were the same. And it doesn't matter. Again, it's not one is better or than the other. It's just, it's really hard. Montana State, they hired Jeff Choate to come in and clean up the, the just disaster of a defense that was left by Rob Ash. And that fell off the cliff so hard because the Bobcats were actually great defensively 2010 through 2013, let's call it. 
2014-2015, they're scoring 45 points a game, and they're like a 500 team because they can't stop anybody. So Choke basically goes the other way, and I think that's how you end up with a 4-7 and seven season in year one because they just had such a drastic identity change. And now they're going back to the other side. They have an offensive-minded head coach in Brent Vegan. All he's done is coach offense. Uh, when you talk to him, you can tell he has a very great offensive acumen and uh, not not nearly as as much of the passion for the defensive side of the ball. And it is it's just kind of the opposite of what we've seen in Bozeman. So I'm just so interested to see how this goes. All that said, I do think Montana State's defense, when they feature their main players, is going to be pretty darn talented. But how do they acclimate to a new system? They've been running a three four. They uh, I mean, and for those that really want to know what the biggest differences are. Well, at the college level, when you're talking about running a 3-4 defense where you're pl- playing field and boundary, so the boundary is the short side of the field. The the, ins- the hash the hash to the sideline, the, the field is the wide side of the field. So they're guys that are not playing necessarily strong side based on where the tight end is at. They're playing either to the short side or the wide side of the field. That's it. What is that transition like, though? Because you have then very defined positions. The buck end is a very defined position. The Sam linebacker is a very defined position. Which safety spot you're playing? Defined position. So these guys are going to have to learn new positions. They have the talent to do it. Do they have the time to do it? That's my biggest question mark. Well, my biggest question mark just goes to the best player, arguably, well, on their team and arguably in the Big Sky Conference, is the Troy Anderson question. What exactly. are they going to do with Troy Anderson? Exactly. And, and as of right now, is the jury still out? Is it well, more tinkering right, back and forth? I mean, we don't know. I well, mean, as, right? of, as of right now, he's been practicing as a, at a will linebacker spot in a 4-3 defense. So, Does that surprise you? Uh, it does surprise me. And here's the thing. I know that I have talked about Troy Anderson exhaustively on this show. I think everybody that listens to this show consistently knows where I stand. I think Troy Anderson's best position in the NFL is on offense. I've sat next to scouts that have told me the same thing. Uh, the the common uh, opinion of people around the state of Montana, though, and football coaches around the state linebacker. of Montana, seems to be that it's linebacker. If that's the case, that's fine. I think Troy Anderson's best attributes as a defensive player are his ability to run, his ability to play in space, his ability to be versatile and bump out and maybe cover a slot receiver, cover a tight end, or use his bend, use his explosiveness, come off the edge. None of those things are what a will linebacker in a 4-3 scheme does. If you're playing Troy Anderson at will, it seems to me that you're going to be running some Tampa 2-style um, principles. That would make sense with Freddie Banks' background at NDSU because that's very much what NDSU has gotten away with, not gotten away with, dominated with the last 10 years. But if you, if you I mean, not to get too far down into the, the nerd talk of football, but if Troy Anderson's playing will linebacker in a 4-3 scheme, that means the entire scheme's probably catered to filtering all the run fits back to him. You're going to make the cutback of the running back go right into Troy Anderson. That's good because he's he's arguably your most talented defensive player. But to me, Troy Anderson's at his best making plays off the edge, making plays in space, being able to attack the ball, being able to attack, you know, being able to chase down ball carriers. I said this in the press box on Saturday to some of our colleagues. I said Troy Anderson is best when he's running away from you or chasing you down. He's not best at the point of attack. That's not to say he can't do it, but to me, I think you're robbing him of a lot of his talents 
by not letting him play in space because his best attributes are his length and his speed. It's not he is 6'4, 240. I totally get it. But think of a guy like Dante Olson compared to a guy like Troy Anderson. Dante Olson's not running away from anybody if he was a ball carrier. He's also not going to chase anybody down. You get him in the box, though, he's killing you. He's so good at the point of attack, throwing his hips, you know, meeting the ball carrier at the point of attack. So I just wonder so much how Troy... I mean, if Troy was playing on the strong side and playing off the edge in a 4-3, it would still make more sense to me. I don't really know what we're getting at here with the Will spot. Well, and I think the, the million-dollar question of all of it is how do you utilize his strengths the most? And you just had a great breakdown of it, number one. Number two... That's your biggest difference maker. That's your X factor out there. Number one, can he stay healthy? I mean, that that's especially playing that position. Does that maybe emphasize it even more? Can he take that kind of punishment? I, punishment, I'm just saying, you're saying at the point of attack, he's going to be involved in pretty much every play. When you told me he was going to play the will linebacker, that was my only takeaway was that he's going to be involved in every single play. Right. Everything of what they do defensively is going to be funneled towards him. Can his body take it, and does that really maximize the difference maker factor that he has Compared to other positions, it's going to be fascinating to watch this fall. Totally. I mean, his, he, he's a physical freak. So his body will be able to take it. But how much does the punishment then in, incur and endure his other characteristics? In, in other words, if he is making 100 tackles, does that then hinder his speed or his ability to make plays on the ball? Or do you have to limit? Or play count. His play count. Do you, do you have to eliminate his opportunity to ever touch the ball on offense because of this? I think you do. So I, there is a lot of different question marks. I think that the transition for a guy like Chase Benson, that'll be okay because Chase Benson has played both defensive tackle and nose in the previous scheme. He's even played some strong end. He's a versatile guy. I think he'll be okay. Amandre Williams, he played the end at Washington, and then he played Buck at Montana State. He's put on a lot of weight. I saw him. He looks more like a, a defensive end. I think that transition will be okay. The other guy I was uh, concerned about, or at least uh, skeptical of, making the transition was Daniel Hardy. Daniel Hardy was an outside linebacker. Uh, he played. He started down the stretch last year when Troy Anderson was out. He's really, really athletic guy. He's a guy that came to football really late. Thought he was going to be a college basketball player. His dad passed away, and it sort of gave him this this new perspective on life. He joins the high school football team in one of the Portland area high schools that he was going to. Late bloomer, goes to junior college, and all of a sudden then he gets to Montana State. Well, he's a guy that went from raw to pretty good to good last year. And now, as he prepares for um, this transition to play in true defensive end rather than outside linebacker, he's up to about 235 pounds. And so that in itself, I think, gives him the ability to maybe hang. He was one of the the quote-unquote frontliners that did play on Saturday at Montana State at the Sunny Hall and Spring Classic. And he had a couple sacks. And so he was definitely one of the defensive standouts. Listen to Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Here's more from Brent Vegan, Montana State head coach, specifically about the defense. One guy that was hard to miss was Daniel Hardy. What did you see from his game today? He seemed to be pretty disruptive. Yeah, you know, that's been an everyday affair for Danny. You know, I, I, I think Daniel... Um, you know, he backed up two pretty good players going back to, to 19, uh, backing up Troy and Amandre on the outside, you know, standing up, doing all that, was a lighter player. I think he was about 215. You know, he's one of the guys that, you know, caught my eye those very first workouts. You know, he's um, 235 now, and he's a, he's a prototype defensive end with his hand down in part because there's no quitting him. You know, he has got a relentless uh, motor to him. 
And, um, you know, he's learning how to play that position kind of obviously on the fly here. But, you know, the fact that he was able to remain healthy through the course of the spring and get all the reps he did, you know, I think he could be a guy that can really be disruptive. Um, and I, I know that showed up in front of everybody today. Montana Football Hour presented by Stockman Bank of Montana recapping the Sunny Holland Spring Classic, the final spring showcase for spring football at, at Montana State University under first-year head coach Brent Vegan. Brent Vegan breaking down all of the things he saw at the Sunny Holland Spring game, including the performance of the secondary. The Bobcats lose Munchie Filer to the transfer portal in the offseason. They also have had some attrition there on the back end, particularly at the safety spot with the graduation of Jacque Allen, Braden Conkle, and Jojo Henderson. Tyle Cotter, the junior safety who's expected to be a team captain, did not participate on Saturday. Tyrell Thomas, senior cornerback, was not expected to participate, but then ended up playing a little bit in the scrimmage. Young players that might get some playing time that did not play. Eric Zambrano, Tyler Bohannon, as well as Devin Davis, all three cornerbacks that might flirt for starting positions, as well as junior Lavelle Price Jr., who is likely an inside track a front runner to be a starter at either corner or nickel. Guys that did play, Miles Jackson, a true freshman from Portland. He had an interception. And a smattering of other guys, only six guys played in the defensive secondary. Brent Vegan on his thoughts on MSU secondary. Yeah, you know, I've, I've talked about talent and potential and all those things. Um, and, you know, a couple things that, that I think showed up today, um, Tyrell Thomas was out there in kind of full fashion for the first time all spring. He's done some things. So um, I think Tyrell's back, and it was good to see that. You know, it's evident that he's not only been a, you know, a real key contributor, I think he can be a real good player for us. Um, you know, Miles Jackson, the kid that had that interception, he's one that's really come on with, with increased opportunity the last, um, well, really the last week here. Uh, you know, I was pleased to see him make that play. He's had a chance to be around the ball a bunch the last few times out, and he's made some plays. And I know Jeff Manning's um, a guy that, you know, we're really counting on at that free safety position. And, you know, um, I, I know he had a nice coming, you know, really just covered some ground, have a nice, nice pass break. I'll be interested to see how how he tackled the day, um, you know, and we sat out some guys that have really made some good strides, but, you know, a lot of competition there. And, you know, I think when, we, when we're talking playing really a five DB system, you know, I think coach Banks aims to have like eight guys we can lean on. And I, I we're close to that, you know, it's an inexperienced group from a game perspective, game rep rep perspective, but um, you know, a group that's, uh, you know, I, I think in a good place right now and they need to keep moving forward. But, uh, you know, I think has the ability to be a really, you know, impactful group on our defense. So there you go, Brent Vegan, Montana State head football coach. We'll hear one more soundbite from Brent Vegan on the quarterbacks right here on Nuanez Now. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. It's the Montana Football Hour presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Back after this. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate.
Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back in to Nuanez Now. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanez. We do this together each Monday and Tuesday. I do this each Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m., right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe watching in statewide television. Just got a alert on my phone. John Wall out for the season again. Man, hamstring injury. John Wall has to be one of the guys that is one of the biggest what-ifs, right? What if he wouldn't have gotten hurt? For, for moments in time, and I think that people forget this, for moments in time, John Wall was the most talented point guard in the NBA. I don't know if he's ever reached the, the point of being considered the best, but he is certainly one of the most talented point guards in the NBA. And uh, it is really it really sucks that he's been stuck in the situations that he's been in, especially pertaining to injuries. Well, how many years now would you say that he's been hampered by injuries? I mean, the last, the last one before this was so unfortunate. Like, he had just hurt himself, and then he falls at his house and tears his Achilles because he had just had knee surgery. I mean, it's just it's just horrible. Like, what? how's that even happen? It, it's so bad for John Wall, but at his best, man, one of the most breathtaking athletes to ever play the point guard position. I, I will say, too, it makes me feel old. 2010 was when he was... Dr- I mean... 2009 when he's in college, and that's really when the hype obviously started at Kentucky. But, man, I can't believe he's been in the league 11 years, and I don't know. How much is left in the tank? You have to wonder how many ta- how much is left in his heart to want to continue to do these rehabs and come back. Well, especially in the roster situation he's in right now with Houston. Eh. No doubt. Montana Football Hour presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. I was over in Bozeman for the weekend catching out uh, the Sunny Holland Spring Classic. The finale of Bobcat Spring Ball. All eyes on the quarterbacks, which has been the scenario at Montana State since Dakota Prukop announced he was transferring to the University of Oregon. That was almost six years ago now. So it's been a revolving door. If they have a new starter this year, it will be their sixth new starter in six seasons in terms of opening day starters. They have three players on their roster alone. Matt McKay, transfer from NC State, as well as Tucker Rovick, who started the majority of the season last year, as well as Casey Bauman, who started the first two games of last year. All in the roster. So you got three guys that have started Division One games. I was disappointed because Casey Bauman was not in the action. He broke his rib leading up to this thing. Brett Vegan confirmed that on this show uh, earlier this week, or excuse me, last week. And uh, so I didn't get to see a chance to see Bauman. I'm very intrigued by Bauman's uh, cohesion with Vegan because Brett Vegan has had a penchant for taking big, strong, tall, athletic, strong-armed quarterbacks that were raw and turning them into great players. Casey Bauman, right now, I mean, I'm not saying he's he's projecting like this, but he fits the mold of a Carson Wentz or a Josh Allen just in his stature. He has millions of years to go to ever be that sort of uh, talent, but it seemed as if he was the one that was benefiting the most from Brent Vegan's coaching style because he basically overtook Rovick as well as the other two young quarterbacks, Tommy Mallott and, and Blake Thielen. To be that number two guy heading into the scrimmage, but then he didn't get a chance to participate in the scrimmage. Before we get into the quarterbacks and what Brent Vegan thought about them, I, I'm going to ask you from a basic level, because I think there there's probably some people out there that are listening right now, whether they're driving around or, or watching on SWX, is that, that they didn't watch what happened on Saturday. So I would ask you at a basic level, how would you compare the offensive scheme? Or just how did the offense look lining up compared to last year with Cho? Because that's obviously one. Or was there not enough of a sample size? Honestly, they didn't run anything. They were running their most most, uh, basic stuff. When they did pass the ball, they were basically just trying to put the receivers and DBs in one-on-ones because they just want to say, hey, who's going to make a play? 
Uh, I thought that the passing game looked slightly lackluster, but it was also hard because Matt McKay was not live. They're going to run a lot of zone read, and then they're going to run a lot of play-action stuff off of that. And so it was really hard to evaluate McKay himself because basically half of his game was not available. Bauman was not available. Rovig threw a terrible pick, but then also came back and had probably the best throw of the day by any of the quarterbacks. But I truly thought that the guy that looked the best, and again, some of this is circumstance because of the secondaries and the defensive units he's going against, but the guy that looked the best was Blake Thielen. He also got the most reps. He also got the most opportunity to throw the ball. And he also, you know, he was thrown to a couple of their really talented young receivers who were going against, you know, the 19th string defensive right. back. So <laughs> it, it it's all with a grain of salt. Colter Nuanez, depth chart at quarterback for Montana State reads. Matt McKay, one. Casey Bauman, two. Blake Phelan, three. Okay. If it really came down to it, I think that... Uh, I don't know. I think they would. It would I don't know. I, I really am so interested to see how they, what what's, what side they lean on in terms of um, experience or not. Because to me, Rovig's taller, older, and more experienced, and that's about all he's got on Blake Thielen. Because I think Thielen's more athletic, and I think he's just a better thrower of the football. But here or there, here's what Brent Vegan had to say about Montana State's quarterbacks following the Sunny Holland Classic. Montana State's quarterback position has been in flux ever since Rob Ash was dismissed as the head coach. An All-American Dakota Prukop announced he was graduate transferring to the University of Oregon. Since then, Montana State has had five opening day starting quarterbacks, the same number of offensive coordinators, and they have a quarterback competition entering this fall as well, despite the fact that Tucker Rovig has started about 15 games over the last two seasons for the Bobcats. Matt McKay, a former four-star recruit who spent a couple years at NC State before transferring to Montana State, Considered the frontrunner coming out of fall, he got a lot of the one reps during spring, but a, a several other emerging quarterbacks, including Rovig, still in the mix. Casey Bauman had a great spring by all accounts, but did not participate in the spring game on Saturday because of a broken rib. Blake Thielen, a redshirt freshman from Great Falls, looked pretty sharp in his operation of the blue team offense. He threw the only touchdown of the day. Tommy Malott, former Gatorade Player of the Year from Butte, Montana, he got some good reps as well, and maybe is a guy that could threaten to play in the fall, particularly in packages. So a variety of quarterbacks that could still be in the mix. Here's Brent Vegan's thoughts on the quarterback position. You're listening to Nuanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. It is the Montana Football Hour, presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank makes sure all the money stays in their community so you can help friends and neighbors all along the way. It's for Montanans, by Montanans. They're only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it that way. Let Stockman Bank show you the Stockman difference today. When a good portion of your game is your ability to run the football, it's not only hard on Matt, it's hard on Coach Housewright calling plays. You know, I had that one where everything split. He probably takes that in if, if he wasn't, we were playing touch football with him. But, you know, Matt, um, Matt's learning. You know, he, uh, he, when you're a quarterback, every time you learn a new offense, it's almost like a reset. You might as well almost go back to square one. And, you know, Matt's been really uh, diligent as far as his willingness to learn, but it's really about the reps. Uh, you know, learning something in a classroom setting is one thing and, and putting the time in watching film. Uh, but going through it is is what it's all about. So there were some things. He took a delay game on a on a fourth down that I didn't like today. Um, you know, I think there was some of those balls that were thrown up that he had. I think, you know, we like to make those plays as well. So I think we got a guy that is a competitor, uh, wants to be, uh, wants to be really good, um, emerging as a leader on our team. And, and, um, 
you know, but he, I think he's got a capacity to keep growing. And, uh, you know, I think he recognizes that too. So anxious to see, you know, Matt's improvement through the course of the summer. And, um, you know, we're going to be counting on him big, obviously, in the fall. Montana Football Hour with Montana State Head Coach Brent Vegan recapping the Sunny Hall and Spring Classic scrimmage. Brent Vegan more on his quarterback evaluation here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Oh, you know what? That's that's a good question because or how you just phrase that at the end. I think everybody's getting used to it, but we got to go through things, you know, in the summer here. Those guys are going to put in some time with uh, with seven on seven and, you know, talk to them about, hey, the second time through things from a installation perspective, it'll feel different. There'll be a, a better recall. And then hopefully we get to fall camp and that'll kind of serve as our third time through. Um, not that it'll be second nature, but we'll be closer to that because, you know, we're a little off today. I, you know, I think there's some, there's some little detail. I think we know generally what we're trying to do, but as far as the, the absolute ex- execution, it does take some time. It's a lot easier in a scenario like this to turn around and hand the ball off and, and really um, be further along on that side of it. But I think we're making strides. And I, I do think we got some guys we're competing against on the other side covering that are, are pretty good players too. So, you know, um, work in progress, but you know, I think we got some weapons out there, and I, got, I think we got a couple quarterbacks that can make some throws too. And what does Brett Vegan hope that his quarterbacks learn from this spring to take into the summer as they prepare for a quarterback competition in fall camp? Well, the first thing is learn from spring. You know, I, I, you think about what we've done. Um, you're installing an offense that where you're watching Wyoming film. You might be watching some Oregon film, whatever Mississippi State um, combination of the three. Um, now you're watching yourself do it. You know, there, it, it, there's one thing in, in, in you learn by doing, but then even watching yourself, um, watching with our players, I think it's just a better way to ultimately learn, but you got to have some, you got to have a body work to do that. So that'll be the first thing to really analyze, you know, and, and learn from the spring and then apply what's being, you know, what's being taught through the course of, um, in the next couple months and, and, and certainly there's a physical aspect that we can keep improving upon, but then there's that timing, um, you know, passing game is, is so much about timing anticipation from a quarterback perspective. I think, uh, you know, receivers understanding, you know, how to, how to attack leverage and, and how to get open and those type of things. So again, and we've kind of set a baseline and, and the coaches will lay out, Hey, here's what we need to do moving forward. And, you know, uh, our hope is our guys really attack that. Brett Vegan, post Sunny Holland Classic. We're up against it, so we got to get out. We're going to continue talking football. We're going to talk FCS playoffs. Also, comparing and contrasting, because we just saw the Grizz live for two weeks in a row against other opponents. We just saw eh, half the Bobcats live for uh, against themselves, but still got a pretty good read on the roster. I have a lot more uh, underneath me now that I've got to see the Cats a couple times. So we'll get into that and more uh, in the second hour. This has been the Montana Football Hour, presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. When you bank with Stockman Bank, your money stays in the local economy, helping your friends and neighbors. They're only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it that way. Lending decisions are made by Montanans who understand Montana business. Phone calls are always answered by a live person. Their online and mobile banking platforms robust and allow you to bank from anywhere in the world. Let Stockman Bank show you the Stockman difference today. Thanks so much to Stockman Bank for all their support of us here at ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SFX Montana TV. It's been great having Stockman, both the Montana basketball and football hours. 
atypical, but we've had a great time doing it. And uh, the Montana Football Hour, of course, will return probably around July, actually. We usually start this thing just before fall camp when we get the Big Sky kickoff and all that content rolling. So stay tuned for that. But this has been great having Sackman Bank for the Montana Football Hour this month. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you hot. FCS playoffs, Grizz versus Cats. What have we seen the last couple weeks? We'll also talk some NFL draft. Keep it right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.